Hey, what's up? It's Da Huff. It's another episode of Da Huff Uncensored, the Halloween special. <laughs> We're going to get into that here in a second, but real quick, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget today's episode. It's presented to you by Sugar Fire in Westminster, as well as Superbook Sports Colorado. In fact, win a trip to the biggest football game of the, of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook is going to fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. Gee, what game could they be talking about? Oh, I don't know. I guess we'll have to click to find out. They're also going to give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night stay at a hotel. Oh, my God, this is awesome. I wonder if I'm eligible. Probably not. But you are. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I should have made an open for this, but I didn't. But here's the thing. I got a lot of great stuff that I want to talk to you today about Halloween and the spooky times. You, I guess you could say this is a Halloween special, but a lot of these, with the exception of the first few things that I'm going to talk about, you could listen to all the time. Because I love listening to scary stories, stuff that you can't explain. It's one thing to share a story where you're like, okay, is it a ghost? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. It's probably an electrical issue that makes your lights turn off or you got some creeper. That's just as scary, to be honest. But when you hear a story and you're like, I don't know how to explain that. Whether it's the stories that are from the listeners today or stories that I'm going to tell you that have that I've experienced, some that I forgot to tell you about. But as I sat down, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that I forgot about that and this one. So I try to write them all out for you. Uh, we'll get into those here in a second. But kind of on the lighter side of things and the lighter side of Halloween, I ran some... I guess studies or, yeah, we'll call it studies to make me sound smart. I read a, a sophisticated study on the old Facebook machine <laughs> of what are the, what? let's start with the trick-or-treating because as I'm recording this, it's, tri it's Halloween morning. So what's the trick-or-treating age cutoff? And I did a poll. And 3%, because I, I did, there's other, there's 18 years, there's 12 years old, there's 15 years, and then there's never too old to trick or treat. 3% said other. 7% 18 years old is the cutoff. 21% said 12 years old. 28% said 15 years old. And for some freaking weird reason, 41% of you said, you're never too old to go trick-or-treating. I'm sorry, that's wrong. It, it should be, in my mind, it should be 15 years old. I guess you could make it, in, 
15 or 12. If you can drive a car, I believe as uh, one of the listeners said, oh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Chris was just like, yeah, you can't, if, if you can drive a car, <laughs> you shouldn't be able to go trick-or-treating. Never too old. Uh, yeah, if you're going through menopause, you shouldn't be trick-or-treating, okay? If you can buy alcohol, you shouldn't be trick-or-treating. That's just creepy to me. That's a, it, it's, a, it's a night for kids, right? I, I, I don't agree with that. I'm hoping that that 41% that voted were just trying to be funny. Because that doesn't seem right at all. I get irritated when there's kids that have like, you know, facial hair, like real facial hair, and they show up and they're like, trick or treat. <laughs> I'm like, how old are you guys? Oh, 14, 15. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to see you guys back here next year. You get what candy? Actually, I probably give them two because I don't want to get egged. I don't want my house getting egged. Unless I'll if it if it means my house doesn't get egged, I'll give them extra candy. Like here's here's three Snicker bars. Now get the fuck out of here. Take my take my house off the list, okay? This must be protected. What's the cost for extra protection? Two more. Okay, here you go. Because <laughs> you know, if you're a dick to these kids that come to your house, the the older ones, the ones that are on the fringe of like they, eh, I don't think they should be out here. If you're a dick to them, they will TP your house and or just egg your house. And I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to hurt somebody, okay, over uh, cracked eggs. Oh, my God, that would piss me off. Oh, if I catch anybody ever egg in my house or TP in my house, I'm going to be pissed. I will bring the thunder. <laughs> By thunder, I mean I will turn on the hose. Cold. Yeah, well, guess what? Dry your tears with this toilet paper you just threw in my fucking yard. Actually, probably not a good idea if they're throwing toilet paper to be bringing out the hose because that's just going to make it nasty onto the grass. and It's going to break apart and just stick to the grass. Then you're just going to have just like your grass has dandruff. Ugh. God. Goddamn kids and their toilet paper. Who... You know, hooligans, <laughs> hooligan activity. Then I also added this before we get into the scary stuff. I asked on Facebook, what's the worst candy? And the majority of people said the worst candy. And then I also asked for the best candy. Uh, worst candy, candy corn and circus peanuts. By the way, every time I say peanuts, if I say it too fast, it sounds like I'm saying penis. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> That's what I hear when people say peanuts. Hey, can I get a hot dog and some peanuts? Be like, uh, I'm sorry, and penis? What? <laughs> sorry, we don't sell that here, sir. Go away. Maybe at some other ballparks. Just not here, okay? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm stupid. Listen, it's a Halloween special, but I'm still stupid. Okay, you're welcome. 
Mark wrote in best full size candy bars. Absolutely. That's when I was a kid, you go to the higher end neighborhoods in hopes that they do that. And word gets around if you hand out good candy, and good candy usually means full size candy bars. And if you can afford it, why not? It's buying yourself protection. Going back to what I said before, if you hand out full-size candy bars and they're good candy bars, you should be on a protected list from neighborhood thugs that want to just, you know, ruin your, your property. Okay? Just saying. It's a little bit of investment that goes a long way because everybody's going to know year-round. Be like, ah, don't mess with that guy or, the, or that lady. Okay, they why? Why? Because they hand out full-size candy bars for Halloween. They're, they're a national treasure, okay? Or at least a, a local treasure. Okay, don't touch them. Mark also wrote, worst, apples with razor blades in them. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know what? I guess that would be frowned upon if I got one of those. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Nikki wrote, best, Three Musketeers and Heath Bars. Worst, Smarties. I was surprised the amount of people that don't like Smarties. I like Smarties. They're, I, I mean, not bad. Musket, three Musketeers I, I have issues with. It's the white stuff in it. I, I just, it just tastes weird. It's too fluffy for me. I don't know. I just don't like it. Heath Bars are growing on me. My wife likes Heath Bars, so I... I've started to, I've dabbled in the Heath bars, okay? I had, I've experimented with them late at night. And, you know, one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, I'm enjoying them. They're inside me, and I like it. (laughs) Again, sorry. (laughs) Chris wrote, Hidden Gem Candy is the fruit-slash-vanilla-flavored Tootsie Roll candy. I don't think I've ever had that, but I bet that would be good. Wait, yeah, 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 I have had those. They're not bad. Not bad. Best Reese's. Anything Reese's. Reese's peanut butter cups or Reese's pieces. Amazing. Those are probably my favorite. Probably. Worst, any malt candy like Whoppers. Absolutely. Thank you. Those should be banned. (laughs) They're horrible. Not a fan of them. Like everybody, like even my kids are like, yeah, dad, do you want these? I'm like, no. Might as well just throw them in the trash because they're disgusting. Whoever hands those out, they should be on a list. (laughs) Guys, let me teach you about the art of throwing eggs at people's houses. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm not going to teach my kids that. Here's the thing I have to say about candy corn. I like it. I know a lot of people hate it. And part of me thinks, part of me thinks, now Don't you get mad when I say this. Part of me thinks there's a good chunk of you out there on the bandwagon of hate for candy corn, regardless if you like it or not. You may never have tried it. You may have tried it when you were like five and you're like, oh, this is gross. Guess what? Your taste buds change like every seven years or some shit. Try it again. Tell me. Then get a secret stash of it. Stick it in a sock in your drawer next to the other sock. You know what I'm saying? Don't get the socks confused because <laughs> that could be weird. Um, and the, 
listen, I, I just think you might want to try them again. I will say this, though. I've had different brands. The off brands are the ones that are gross. If you get, what is it, Brock's candy, they're usually pretty freaking good. I know that's not a popular decision. I know you're secretly judging me. But here's the thing. If you come to my house with that attitude, guess what you get? You get a big old bag of dicks <laughs> that you can eat. I actually don't have a bag of dicks. If you come to my door, don't be expecting to get that in your bag. <laughs> Hi, I'm here for the bag of dicks. I was joking, bro. <laughs> oh, well, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, real quick, I saw this. Top cities to survive a zombie apocalypse. Now, the factors that they used for this were vulnerability, hideouts, supplies, protection, and mobility. Other factors considered include population density and access, access to makeshift bunkers and hunting gear stores. It's a big deal. Shit starts hitting the fan. Guess where I'm going? I'm going to the store to go buy some guns and machetes and whatnot. Number one, Houston, Texas. That is like the safest place you can be, apparently. New York City, San Antonio. I'm doing this in order. Number four, Miami. Number five, L.A. L.A. Sweet. Number six, Austin, Texas. Number seven, San Diego, which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. Number eight, Las Vegas. I guess, I mean, when you look at it, hideouts, supplies, protection, access to hunting gear stores, okay? Number nine, Chicago. Number 10, Orlando, Florida. Jumping ahead to some bigger ones. Number 12, Phoenix. Number 13, Colorado Springs. Number 14, I guess I only skipped like Portland was number 11. Number 14, Seattle. Number 15, Honolulu in Denver, Colorado, coming in at number 20. The worst ones, I'll, I'll just give you a, the, a couple of the worst ones. Uh, Detroit, 194th. Jackson, Mississippi, 199. Miramar, Florida is the worst at 200 because they just did the top, you know, 200 cities boy that's crazy it's weird to think about because you know you watch like zombie land and stuff like that and you're just like well how would i do in a zombie apocalypse because you'd like to think that you'd be good but like if all of a sudden wherever you're at right now if you're at your office you're at home you're driving your car wherever and you're just like if all of a sudden something flashes over your radio or TV and they're like, it is the zombie apocalypse. And they give you a list of like, you need to find a place to hide. You need a, you know, whatever. If you have weapons, get them. If somebody's coming at you going, they're probably a zombie, <laughs> probably a zombie. You, you wonder like, how do you get, from where you're at right then and there to the important people in your life to make sure that they're okay and then you can be with them 
and then move to a safe location. It's it's pretty bizarre. And and I have a couple places that I would go, some family members that I think are ready for stuff like this. It is it's it's kind of bizarre. And I know it's kind of far-fetched in a sense to think about, but it's probably not as far-fetched as you think it is. Especially, and I'm not saying the traditional, like they're going to be eating people's brains, etc. But to have a virus get out of control, and then um, it spreads like wildfire, when you think about how we dick around with vaccines and, and whatnot, listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you one way or the other when it comes to a vaccine, okay? You do, you, do your, you do your research along with your doctor and figure that shit out on your own, okay? But as much as scientists are dicking around with trying to cure everything, it's not like... I'm going to cure something or find a, a vaccine for something on the first try. There's a lot of attempts to get to where you need to. So you're telling me that eventually we don't stumble upon something that has similarities to the quote unquote zombie type situation. I have heard from somebody that is close to somebody that was um, a laboratory worker of some sort, a scientist. No, a scientist. That they have seen some things created in a lab that would freak out the general public. Things that shouldn't exist that they, they create. And they, the person talking to this person brought up jokingly about zombies. And they're like, well, if you think about what that would take, it's not much to create that type of mentality. Maybe something that is creating you to be overly hungry. And at least you're not necessarily dead. It's just something that is corrupting your your mindset. Like it's not as far fetched as you think it would be to have a zombie virus. And that uh, listen, I didn't talk to the person, but it, but when you sit there and you break it down and you think about it, like yeah, I guess that's true. It's true, but I'm not a scientist. I know. Again, you guys tune into this. You're like. That guy's a scientist. I know he doesn't have the degrees, but God, deep down he is. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. Uh, getting into the scary stuff. I'm going to start off with one of my favorite podcasters, a guy named Mr. Ballin. His name's John Ballin, former uh, Navy SEAL, just a great storyteller. Well, I pulled this from one of his short stories that he does. Um, I think, it, yeah, one of his reels or something like that from Facebook or, or wherever I got it from. But it's him telling a quick, scary story. And I want to play it, then we'll react. 
This sounds totally made up until you listen to the police report. In the early 90s, a teenage girl started to see these shadowy figures that would come into a room at night and crawl all around her room and even grab at her legs. At the same time, her health began to rapidly deteriorate, which ultimately led to her death, which doctors never understood. A few days after her death, her sister woke up to a whistling sound and saw a creature crawling around her room with no face. The same night, her mom was ripped out of bed by someone. The father calls the police, who come over, they search the house, they don't find anything, it's all quiet. As they're about to leave, they hear something. Horrifying screams coming out of the bedroom. They run inside, no one's in there, but there are these huge gashes on the wall that were not there before. The police get out of there. In the police report that was filed immediately after this house call, the chief inspector and the three officers that were there that night swear they saw and heard the same things as the family, which means the police officially believed that the house was haunted. See, that's what makes it more believable is when the police get involved because then it's documented. But that being said, I guess if it's a small town, I, this is kind of a dick thing to say to people in the small town, especially if you're a small town uh, police officer. I feel like that stuff can get you can get away with doing that in a smaller town. That's either good or bad. I'm not really sure. You can be more honest in what you see in a small town versus a big town where you got a lot more eyes on things. Be like, you can't be saying that you think it's a demon or whatever. So when I see stuff like that or hear stuff like that, I guess if it would, if that was like Denver or if that was New York City and that was the case for because I think this was somewhere in Mexico because the police report that he showed in the video was all in Spanish. So I, I'm assuming that it's somewhere in Mexico. But if it was like a big city, then I'd be really shocked and be like, holy crap. I told you guys about that story where they kind of nickname it the Demon House where it was documented by the local police of where, where there was things happening to the family, a mom in her, I want to say it was her two kids and the grandma lived there as well. And they were essentially being terrorized by something in the house and they couldn't figure it out. And they thought it was a demon but everybody else was just kind of like trying to poo-poo it. And then the police come to investigate because they had uh, protective child protective ser services out there trying to make sure the kids were okay. Because I want to say that there were some scratches and bruises on the kids and whatnot. So they did had to do their due diligence, make sure it was a safe environment. Long and short of it is the police report said that, that there was weird stuff happening in there and they couldn't determine what the cause was. There was gooey substances dripping from certain parts of the house. Allegedly, they couldn't figure out the origins of it. Things being thrown across the room, uh, all, all that craziness allegedly when they took the kids to the local hospital that one of the kids the youngest kid 
Um, ended up kind of slightly walking up the wall while holding the hands of the grandma. And he, in front of a nurse, did like a backflip. Straight out of a fucking like Jason Bourne movie. <laughs> like he's like, I'm Jason Bourne. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what I just visioned. Like he does his like superhero landing, what you know, with a fist to the ground. But the kid was like seven years old at the time. It, but this is all like documented through the police, like all this, these strange happenings and nobody could figure it out. They, they ended up de- uh, demolishing that house. Nobody wanted to live there because there was so much chaos going on. I, I'll tell you, well, you know, before I get into the next story, it, it reminds me of, and I don't have this on my list, but it just popped in my head. After my dad died in 1984, in, I believe, 1986, my mom moved us to Inglewood, Colorado, and there was, we lived in a little house on Pearl Street, I want to say. And this is in Inglewood. And it had, there was two houses on the property. And the house behind us was called the mother-in-law suite, I think is what it's called. I kind of want to drive by this old house and see what it looks like. But there was times where, like my brother and I lived or slept in the basement. We slept in the same big, I guess, in a sense, the living room of the basement. That's where we we slept. But behind us, behind us was uh, a room for laundry. So it wasn't really like an elaborate basement, but it was a little spot for our beds. The wall behind us, there's a doorway to get in there, was washer and dryer. And there was just one night that I remember my brother and I, and there had been a lot of weird stuff going on, and I'll get into that here in a second. But one night, my brother and I are trying to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, we just hear boom, 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 boom pounding like somebody's taking their fists and just beating the hell like hammer fists on the washer and dryer scared the shit out of us we ran upstairs crying to our to our mom probably slept in her bed the rest of the night scared the hell out of us i that i know of nobody was down there at but at the time i was like six or i was seven right so my investigative skills weren't like what they would be as an adult. Other things that apparently happened at the house that my mom had told us is in the kitchen where we had the silverware, the old owner who uh, I, I believe died in the house, her name was Goldie. That's an old school name, by the way, Goldie. Uh, she, when she lived there, she kept the silverware on 
in another drawer. So my mom says that she would get up and go to get like silverware and then realize that the silverware had been moved to the to the next drawer or wherever it was. Like shit would always get moved. And my mom, being stubborn, would move it back. <laughs> Be like, fuck you, this is my house, bitch. You dead. So she put it in there and then it would happen over and over again. And there's just constant stories of stuff like that. One one day my my or at night my mom was taking a nap or something and she woke up to the feeling of somebody in her bed and she rolled over and there was an indention of somebody resting next to her and like scared the hell out of her. So again, it's hard for me to, even though I was living through that, it's hard for me to one, really remember all the details of it, but two, also I'm seven at the time. I believe anything I hear. So as much as I respect what my mom and maybe my sister and brother were telling me, there's part of me is just like, well, were they thinking logically? My brother was only a year older than me. For all I know, my sister was fucking with me just to be a dick because <laughs> that's what older siblings do. Uh, it's It's hard. It's hard for me to imagine. And there was like, there was something else that happened. I, I can't remember. And I, and I apologize. I, I, I totally forgot about that place. But it was apparently a lot of activity at, the, at that place. To the point where my mom's friends would come over and stay the night at times. Just to see if they could witness something. Or hang out there and see if they could witness something. I believe my mom said at one point she was walking through the house and she turned to go into where the dining room was. And she saw my dad, who again had passed away, fully materialized standing there in the kitchen. And it, it scared the hell out of her. And I don't think he did anything other than he was just there. So it's, it's, that was a weird house too, because we had somebody trying to break into our house at times too, assuming it was a real person. No, it was a real person because I remember uh, they figured out who it was. And that's one where my brother and I, I think we're freaked out about sleeping in the basement. So we're sleeping in the front entryway living room and my mom had the police had told my mom to get one of these door alarms where if you open the door it just rips out this nasty piercing sound and we had a at the time we had a german shepherd her name was ginger oh she was such a good dog and what happened was my brother and i are sleeping on the couch And all of a sudden, we wake up to the sound of the alarm going off. The door, which is maybe 10 feet in front of us, is wide open. 
and our dog is just right nobody's there she scared him off and it's just like it was one of those things like how fucking scary is that thankfully we had our our dog to protect us in that noise to let the neighbors know hey shit something's going on and especially back then if an alarm went off like that people would take notice there's so much noise out there right now that if if an alarm goes off, people don't really do anything about it. Car alarms, nobody does anything about that. But in that situation, it, it was it was very helpful, and it having a dog was good because she protected us. Because who knows what would have happened? Because my brother and I were right there and they could have harmed us whatever or my sister's room was right there and my mom's room was right there it's bizarre crazy scary stuff this comes in from mike on facebook he wrote i lived on uh, he gives gives the address i'm not going to give the address uh back in 1984 somewhere down in denver it, he lived there with two buddies. Said stuff would suddenly fly. Saw a shadow silhouette out of the corner of our eyes all the time. We would warn guests about it. It was just an ongoing thing that they just lived with. He said, I also worked a construction project in the sub-basement of the state capitol building. One day, I was filling out paperwork next to a dark room. Suddenly, a wave of dread fell over me, and it was coming out of the darkness, strong enough to make me get out of there and into the main area. An old electrician who had been working there for years noticed my concern. He said, it got you, didn't it? And then he went on to explain everyone who worked there long enough eventually got got by the thing, whatever that is. Some sort of dark energy that may be existing at the Colorado State Capitol. I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of those stories, especially in old buildings. I mean, there's a lot of history, not just with the building itself, but when you think about, like, people are like, well, new new builds can't be haunted. Well, it's not necessarily the build. It's, it's the land that it's built upon. You think about the horrific history of anywhere on the planet. Just look at the United States. How many... Innocent people were murdered, slaughtered when, you know, the white man came in here and, and stole all the land from the Native Americans. I mean, there's a lot of that. Plus, you add in wars. You, you just add in just life in general. People getting murdered. People just dying for whatever reason. And if you believe in that, and you think that there's some sort of attachment to this area, yeah, why not? 
What do you think about that with Mike? I mean, I there's been places you go and you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, what is going on? This just, I feel drained. Now, I will say this. I'm sure there's a good scientific explanation about that where it could be some sort of, maybe there's uh, high electrical pulses in the area for equipment or whatever, right? Look at me. I sound like I'm a scientist. <laughs> but there could be environmental influences that help create these experiences at times. I'm not saying always, but I'm saying at times. If all of a sudden you just get a feeling of dread, I mean, there's there. what if there's like a, an electrical box that wasn't insulated properly or something like that? in a certain area and you're around it. Well, you could have a reaction to it. Here's what's interesting that I found out about me. And I told you this recently is I have horrible allergies for what I am just a big hot mess. I have a reaction to UV lights, black lights, stuff like that. And fluorescent lights, especially. And I didn't realize it until my wife had to have a, a surgery done. And I got I went to go visit her before she went back. And I'm back into the main area where they have all these fluorescent lights on. It's bright as fuck in there. And all of a sudden, like, I just, I couldn't speak clearly. And, and to the point where right at the end, I, I couldn't speak. And it was like something just came over me and I'm like, uh, and I got, I started feeling shaky, I sat down and like the lady, one of the nurses was trying to, uh, get me to sit down and they literally had to force me, her and somebody else had to force me into a wheelchair. Somebody else could see that and say he was possessed. My God, he's possessed. They wheel me out into another area, and then it just goes away. Fast forward a few years later, we're having a birthday party for my son here at the house, and we we're going to do like a black light party in the basement and blah, blah, blah. So we bought a black light and stuff. Turn on the light, and I'm helping set stuff up, and then I start feeling that exact same way. I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? I do, and then either, I think my wife said something like, do you think it could be the light? So I Google it. Sure as shit, that's a thing. So I remove myself from that and I immediately feel better. Anytime I've had surgery, when I wake up in the recovery room and there's fluorescent lights above me, I wake up horribly. I'm sick, and it takes me longer to come out of anesthesia, is what they think. So this last time I had a colonoscopy, I wrote on the thing. I was like, I have, I have uh, reactions to UV light, fluorescent light, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. So what they did is, before the procedure, they shut off all the lights wherever I was. Go into the the room, they shut off all the unnecessary lights. When they put me 
took me back to recovery, no lights. Came out of it like nothing. I felt fantastic. <laughs> With the exception of somebody just explored my anus. <laughs> that took a while to get over. It didn't. But um, So there's a lot of environmental things that can influence us, whether we understand it or not. So as much as I can appreciate stuff like this, there's always that that lingers with me of, but what if it is something that can be explained? That being said, I've been in those situations where you walk into a room, you're perfectly fine, then all of a sudden, boom, what the hell was that? It's like a switch got turned on, and you're like, it feels like somebody's watching me, and it feels like it's coming from this area. Unexplainable. I've been here a hundred times. Never had this issue. What's going on? Doesn't make sense. Seeing things out of the corner of your eye, that happens all the time. It happens all the time down here in my basement where I, I swear I saw something. And, and a lot of times it's not dark shadows. Like I swear... During a, an episode I was recording where I thought I saw somebody walk by and then, like, kneel down so I couldn't see them. But it, and it was like they were in, like, normal clothing. That's not a dark shadow. It's bizarre. Seen that quite a bit here. We'll get into more of that here in a second. And kind of looking at like some weird stuff that happened like at my wife and I's first house. Everything seemed normal. It was a good little house. Several stories. Some of I believe I've shared with you the bathroom hanger incident where my wife was at work. I was working a double where I believe I worked at the radio station in the morning then I worked at Chipotle in the afternoon or whatever. So I'm in between and I go to use the restroom. It's just me and my dog, Logan, I believe. Yeah, it was Logan. And he's up there. I'm, I'm using the restroom. Doors open because I'm like, nobody's here. It's just me. My wife's at work. At the time, no kids. And I'm going to the bathroom, and I had a hanger on the doorknob facing, it would be from the outside handle. But the door was open, so it was maybe like three feet away from me. And I'm using the restroom, and then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm taking my time, <laughs> giving myself a break. And all of a sudden, I want to say after like a minute or two, it the hanger just starts moving back and forth. Not enough to go around, but enough to go up and down, up and down, up and down. Good amount of movement. And I'm just sitting there looking at it. And then my dog starts looking at it. And he's just like cocking his head, like what the hell is going on here? And I'm just like, I'm in a very vulnerable position. So I just say, 
could you at least wait till I'm done? Please. And it eventually stopped. I can't explain that because I'm sitting there and I'm looking for the heat vent. The heat vent, first of all, nothing was on. But it wasn't in a position where the door was open where it would have, if even if it was on, would have influenced that. And it would have had to be like extremely crazy amount of pressure coming out of that vent in order for it to do that. I had been in there for a couple minutes before that started happening. I didn't interact with that door for at least, I'm going to say, two minutes. Even if it was 60 seconds, that's still not enough time to have some residual uh, motion to be created. And the verification from my dog of going, what the hell are we looking at here, buddy? Are you done in there? No? Okay, but let's just watch. I mean, that's that's pretty mind-blowing when you sit there and you stare at that. I, and I can't think of anything of why that would happen. He didn't bump the door because he was out in the the walkway of the hallway. And when that started happening, he starts looking at it. Still, I no idea how that could have happened. Can't explain it. I would see dark shadows around that house out of the corner of my eye. Nothing that really freaked me out because I also have a hard time with that too because that could just be an, an eye thing, right? You know, you see something out of the corner of your eye, maybe whatever, just your eyes playing tricks on you. Probably the weirdest thing that happened at that that place was in the middle of the night, I woke up. And I'm just kind of sitting there. You know how that happens sometimes. You just want to go back to bed, but you're just like, ah, man. Anyway. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my wife's sleeping next to me. Again, no kids in the house. I don't. We don't have kids at the time. I heard a little girl talking at the foot of the bed. She was at the foot of the bed. It was like she was in the room. Clear as day. But she was speaking in another language. So I have no idea what she's talking about. So my other dog, Cole, was in the room. He was wide awake. And he's staring at where this voice seemed to be coming from. He's just locked in and then begins to like, you know, cocking his head like this is very confusing. I don't know what the heck we're we're looking at here. Where's the where what is making this voice? The voice seemed happy. Is that's the thing. It was just like I I, I feel like it was German, but I don't I don't know German. Okay. But it it mind blowing. No idea what what that was. In that same bedroom, at one point, we also had a a picture 
placed at the foot of our bed during the middle of the night. And I, I want to say it was like wedding photos or something like that. It was like a collage of them. And they originally, before this moment, were hung on the wall in the bedroom. When we woke up, they were at the foot of our bed, just neatly placed in the middle of the bed. It's possible that in the middle of the night, one of us were was sleepwalking and, and put it there. That's a possibility. I mean, it's never happened since or before that. So, I mean, I, I guess it, it, it's possible. But it's strange as shit, and I can't really, with the exception of sleepwalking, I can't explain that. I would like to, but I can't. We got more craziness coming your way. We're not even done, guys. We got a lot more crazy stuff coming your way. But first, Sugar Fire just released their Thanksgiving menu. I know Thanksgiving's right around the co- uh, the the corner. And check this out. Holiday orders need to be placed by Sunday, November 19th. So let them take care of things. Let them do it for you. I I'm considering this. Cuz what a great way cuz it's stressful doing Thanksgiving di- uh dinner. Let them take the pressure off your off your shoulders. Whole smoked turkey $9.99 a pound, which averages 10 to 16 pounds, and that feeds about 6 to 10 people. They got dinner packs, 6-ounce turkey breast, mashed potato and gravy, green bean casserole, sage stuffing, cranberry sauce. Oh, I love cranberry sauce. And a choice of pie. It's $29.99 per person. They got holiday sides of uh, that can range from $8.49 a pint, $13.99 for a quart, $35.99 a gallon, and you got mashed potatoes and gravy, green bean casserole, sage stuffing, cranberry sauce. There's a lot of cool stuff that you can get, and it's all like it's all homemade stuff. It's amazing. Whole pumpkin pie or pumpkin cheesecake, $30, $31.99 for regular meats and sides available as well. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, Holiday orders need to be placed by Sunday, November 19th. If you're interested, you can check them out. Send them an email, catering at sugarfirewesty.com, or give them a call, 720-639-4903. All right, this one comes in from Clyde, and I'm going to call this the Weld County Haunting. Clyde's been a longtime listener, and he took some great time to write this out for me and for you. It's 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 a pretty scary story. This is from Clyde. It was a new moon around the winter solstice about five years ago. Clyde, come on. <laughs> He's like really trying to paint the picture. It was a new moon. With the winter solstice about five years ago. On the air was a hint of Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) It was a quarter mile up the road. (laughs) 
Ooh, that sounds good. I'm hungry. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Clyde. We'll get into this. He says, I was a night CDL driver on the oil field in Weld County. It was just after 6 p.m., and I was doing my pre-trip paperwork. My dome light was on, and it was pitch black outside. A fresh layer of snow blanketed the yard. As I was looking down at my paperwork, I felt somebody climb onto the passenger side of my truck. I couldn't see who it was, but I figured it was one of the other drivers. And then all of a sudden, he started rocking my truck hard. I mean, side to side to the point I almost banged my head against the driver's side window. Then he jumped down off the truck. As I figured it was the other driver, I didn't raise my eyes from the paperwork. Then I felt somebody climb up on the driver's side and start rocking the truck again. This time, it was more violent and longer lasting. I just said, okay, I get it. You're here. At this point, I couldn't even keep my pen on paper. Then he jumped down off the truck. By the way, I'm, I'm guessing as a trucker, you're probably not in the driver's seat or you're kind of turned and you're not really, because like if he's on the driver's side, I guess a, a semi is pretty big. So it's not like you would have to be, the person would be staring at the window, right? I'm guessing that there's a lot of area that, that a person could be on the side rocking it back and forth. So he said, I couldn't see out of my truck because it was, it was that dark, but you can feel when somebody jumps off the truck. When I knew there, that there wasn't anybody on the running boards, I climbed out of my truck just outside of the shine of my headlights. There was a figure of someone standing there, not more than five feet from me. Again, I thought it was the other driver, but I couldn't make out who it was. It Clearly was somebody standing there looking at me. I talked to him. I said, bro, you scared the shit out of me. I couldn't see you. No response. Just kept standing there. Who are you? Scott? That's the other driver. No response. Then I took my headlamp and clicked it on to see who it was. Maybe a, a vagrant or something like that. When the light clicked on, the figure disappeared. I looked down at the snow to see the footprints. There were none. There was only pristine snow where there was most certainly climbing on the truck. So how is that even fucking possible? Then he says, I called the other driver to see if he was in the yard. He told me, he was in Eaton getting fuel. He said, is there anybody else driving tonight? No, just us. A few weeks later, he said, I told the owner of the trucking company I was working for that I was approached by a shadow person. I told her the story, and she was convinced that she had a similar encounter a few months prior but didn't want people to think she was nutty. Then about a week later, she called me to say that the building 
that was directly behind our yard, about 20 feet from where I was parked, is where Weld County investigates all the vehicles involved in fatalities. I can't explain what or who that was, but I was talking to it like a big doofus. Happy Halloween, Clyde. That's, yeah, like Clyde's just like assuming it's one of his co-workers being a goofball. Hey, man, you, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> you big dick. Turns out it's nothing. It's an entity. That's scary because it it would be interesting if there would have been, this is back, I don't, he doesn't give a, a date on it. But if, if there would have been security cameras out there on the yard to see if the truck was moving and if how violent it was and see if the, anything showed up on camera. But I'm guessing no. That's, that's wild. I mean, to be shaking your vehicle that easily and that aggressively, is, it, that's frightening. That's, that had to have been frightening. Well, what what Clyde probably didn't put into that um, that letter is that he pooped his pants or <laughs> urinated just a little bit, just a little drop. <laughs> that that's crazy. I hope that God that never happens to me. Oh my God! You're like, well, I'm getting in the truck now and driving away. Here's a crazy story, and. Uh, I'm borrowing the details from Mr. Ballin. But it's one of my favorite stories that he tells. In 2004, Misty Tasker and her mom went to church. The service ran late, which meant the 20-minute drive home on their country highway. Uh, that they had to travel on, which was mostly dirt road, and it just it was surrounded by forest. It meant that that drive home is going to be dark, and Misty's mom had bad eyesight at night, so she got anxiety about dark drives. She just hates them. I'm not a fan of dark drives either, so I hear you. I hear you. So as they're driving along, they're going about forty, or excuse me, fifty-five miles an hour. And Misty, all of a sudden, swears that she sees a young girl on the side of the road. She tells her mom, who's already in a rush to get home, she's like, I just saw a little girl on the side of the road. On the road. We need to go back and, and check on her. The mom, who's just like, Dude, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. She reluctantly turned around the car. There's still a little bit of light out at this moment. The sun is just starting to go down, but they also have their headlights on. So they start to drive slow. They see her on the right-hand side of the road, back to the road, crouched down, knees tucked to her chest, and she's slightly like rocking back and forth, this girl is. They realized... It was actually a young woman. It wasn't a, a young girl. They just said it was just a young woman. But they thought it was odd that she didn't turn around to look at the vehicle. There's like nobody on this road. 
Like hardly anybody travels here. There's no homes, nothing. It is just a road surrounded by forest or woods. And she didn't even bother to turn around. Just bizarre. So they drive ahead a little ways and then turn back around towards home and towards the direction of the young woman. But as they start driving along, the woman's not there. Son's Sun is is basically down at this point, so there's not really any extra light because it was right as sun was going. The sun was dropping as the, when they turned around the first time, so there's no extra light, just the headlights. They can't see the woman anywhere. They're driving about ten miles per hour, still kind of like looking around. They're like, Where, "Where'd she go? Nothing." They assume she must have just walked into the forest because there's, like I said. There's nothing around here. Nothing. So they're like, well, that was bizarre. So they get back to going 50 miles an hour-ish. They're about two to three miles down the road. Then the mom and, and Misty approach a four-way intersection. They stop, and all of a sudden, the mom just let out a gasp like on the other side of the intersection on the right hand side was the young woman back to the road knees curled up to her chest rocking back and forth the mom and daughter are just sitting at the intersection and they just don't know what to do because they're processing what just happened they it didn't make sense because how did she get from where she was at which was like two to three miles back how did she get to where they're at now on foot you can't you can't do that you can't nobody's that fast And then Misty's mom is just like, do you think that's a different girl? Misty said, no, that's, that's the same girl. So then Misty is just overwhelmed, and she's, she starts to panic. And she told her mom, just go. Do not stop. I have a bad feeling about this. Do not slow down. Do not stop. Go past her. But Misty's mom, I mean, she's a mom. She has a... She, she's she has that mom gene where she can't just in good conscience drive past this girl or woman again and just leave her out there like if she needs help she wants to to help and she says well we have to at least ask if she's okay misty is so terrified by this she unbuckles and slides down into the footwell of the car. She closes her eyes, puts her hands over her ears, and starts begging her mom to stop and to just keep driving. She's crying her eyes out. She is frightened by this. And the mom's just like, Missy, come on. We're going to be fine. Don't worry about this. So the mom drives up to the wind 
to the woman and stops. She tells Misty, Misty, roll down your, your window, please. Misty refuses. She's like, no, don't. And she, again, goes into it. What are you doing? We can't do this. Just go, go, go. Mom, please. Then the mom is just like, screw it. I'll just do it myself. And she rolls down the window. As the mom rolls down the window, Misty opens her eyes to look at her mom. And she's staring at her mom. She saw her mom's reaction to what she was witnessing. Her mom goes from, are you okay, to jerking back in horror, screams loudly, and then hammers the gas and just takes off. Misty is just in hysterics. She's like, mom, 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 what did you see? What did you see? The mom is speechless, covering her mouth in horror, like, she doesn't know what to do. She starts crying. They're both crying. They, the mom is just like, st- wants to speak, but she can't figure out what to say. They're speeding down the road. Mes- Misty is just begging the mom to tell her what she saw. Just please, mom, just tell me, what did you see? I mean, like, it's scary, but she's got to know. Finally, the mom looks over at Misty and she just says with like tears in her eyes and in her voice shaking, she said, she didn't have a face. It was hollow when she looked at me. And they both continue to just like try to process all that has just happened. They speed home. They run inside and call 911. Now, they didn't know what to tell them because who's going to believe that? So they just said they, they thought they saw a girl who needs help on this particular stretch of road. The police officers go out. They search the entire stretch of road, but never found anything. That's scary. This is a recent story, 2004, not too long ago. Fascinating. Now, the only thing that I can say is when you look at that story from top to bottom, the mom has bad eyesight. She doesn't like to drive at night. Right? That's the only thing I can say of is that, but I don't know. That's pretty fucking horrifying. And for Misty to be so frightened by the situation that she just unbuckles and just drops into the wheel or the footwell and is just like, just go drive past it, please, for the love of God. I put myself in the position of the mom in this situation. If I'm in a situation like this and my kid is acting that extremely, what am I going to do? Am I going to just go, come on, you're just overreacting. Jesus Christ. 
What if this person is hurt? But then when you add to the equation of you just saw that that person two, three miles down the road, and now all of a sudden they're ahead of you. Let's do the quick math on that, ma'am. Not a good idea to stop and look at it. <laughs> okay? Because that's some creepy shit. So I know the mom meant well. But, dude, I would hope that I would take all that was being given to me and the reaction of my my child of complete horror that I would just drive past and then make the phone call to the police. Be like, we saw some, what we thought was a, a, a young girl, blah, 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 blah. But the fact that she stopped, rolled down the window, tried to communicate with it, and then all of a sudden it turned around and it had no face, and she said it was hollow? How? Ugh, God. Horrifying. Horrifying story. Things that have happened at this house that I live in now. I told you about, there's a lot of times where I, I look to the side of where I work down here, and, and I'll see stuff. I will. Uh, some of the other things that have happened. Before I had kids, I came home from work, and I had just put everything, you know, take, off, take out my wallet, keys, put them where I put them, and then all of a sudden I hear from upstairs my wife saying, hey, babe, something like that, right? And I'm like, hey, and then I go upstairs to say hi. And I realized she's not even home, which is wild because I just went through the garage and I didn't see her car and I didn't process that. But I heard her say, hey, babe. It may, I don't think she said anything else. I think it was a very simple sentence. And I go upstairs and I realize she's not here. That that was that was really freaky because it's mimicking someone I care about. And that I, I didn't like that one bit. Did not like that one bit. You, you can't be doing that. In the same area where I heard that, and again, this happened before I had children as well, is I'm home alone because my wife's at work and I'm on the main level of the house and my dog is at the top of the stairs and he's looking into the spare bedroom area and he is growling like big time. We didn't have cats. Wait, we did have cats, but they weren't up there. <laughs> okay. Nothing else is in that area. Nothing living is in that area. And he is growling like crazy. Hair standing up, everything. He is just locked in. And I'm slowly turning, going up, expecting to see 
person there. I thought somebody broke into the house. That's the vibe that was being put off by my dog. And as I get to the part where I can see where he's looking at, I look at my dog and go, hey, Cole, what do you see? <laughs> and he looks at me and then looks quickly looks back. And all of a sudden, he just drops the tension. And he comes over to me and starts licking my face and stuff. I don't, then I investigate the area. Nothing there. Nothing. Like I said, the cats were somewhere else. And I, I can't explain that. Did he, did he see something like because of a medical condition? I don't know. But it was pretty fucking crazy. Of like, and it's not like he had a habit of doing that stuff. I've experienced sleep paralysis at this house, but I knocked, I, I, I put that off as I was extremely tired. I was working at the radio station, putting in a lot of hours and hardly sleeping. And that's usually what creates sleep paralysis, not necessarily a sleep demon. And I know a lot of people will think that, but what happens is when you're severely tired and you kind of wake up, the part of your brain that switches off at night so you don't, as you're dreaming, don't like move your arms and legs all the time. It essentially paralyzes you so you you can have a, a physically relaxing sleep. What happens is you wake up and that forgets for whatever reason because of severe uh, sleep deprivation, it, it doesn't turn on right away. So you can start moving. And when you wake up, you're, you're, you can move your eyes, but you can't move your body. And that is what people uh, say sleep, paral sleep paralysis is. And a lot of people believe that they see something in the corner of the room coming towards them. That was really scary and I remember trying to scream for my wife who was sleeping right next to me, but I couldn't. I will check, chalk that up as that was a medical thing. But one day, my wife and I were downstairs. Again, this is pre-kids. And we're just hanging out in the living room. And all of a sudden, we hear, clear as day, TV was off. The sound of sheets or blankets being tossed from our upstairs down to the to the main floor. And we have hardwood floors. And you hear, right? We both get up. We look over there. There's no blankets. Nothing. We're like, how? I don't, that's such a bizarre thing to hear. But it is something that we would do. You change the sheets, you just throw them over to the next floor so then you can take them downstairs to the, to the washer and dryer. Can't explain that. That was bizarre. There was one time, this is a weird one. There was one time my wife and I were hanging out in our bedroom just sitting there talking and all of a sudden we just hear this nasty fart from the corner of the room. It's so bizarre. And I was like, did you fart? And as I said that, I'm like, 
the noise came from over there, though. And she's like, no, did you? I was like, no, what was that? No idea. No animals were in the room at the time. So bizarre. And I think about that and I'm like, if I were going to, if I'm going to haunt somebody, that's the kind of thing that I would like to do. Just make weird, inappropriate noises while they're around people. Okay. Just start making fart noises around people that are jerks and be like, I think he just farted. I, so I've learned something. We can all take that, take that with us to the grave, essentially. And like, if, if we're in a position where we need to uh, haunt somebody, boom, there you go. Start making fart noises. <laughs> I was doing the dishes, and I heard a sound that was, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. My wife and kids think it's hilarious to scare me and each other. What they do, well, they'll hide, and then all of a sudden they'll, ah! like that they'll come out in front of you like wah like that It'll scare you and it's funny at first it gets really annoying but one day it was on like a saturday i'm doing dishes after dinner and all of a sudden i heard what sounded like my kids trying to scare me with a roar like that like they just came into the kitchen and were like wah and I turn around and I'm like, ah, you didn't get me. Then there's nobody there. So I stop and I walk around the whole area and I'm like, what the fuck? Nobody's in here. Realize everybody's outside playing. My wife and kids are out front playing. No idea where, where that came from. No idea. Not too long ago, I heard somebody in our downstairs main area as my wife and I were upstairs, heard floorboards creaking to the point where, because like I, I thought somebody was in our house and I go downstairs to check on the noise. And as I turn the corner and I haven't even touched the floorboards yet, because I'm still on the on the steps, I hear the floorboards creaking like there is a massive person on this floorboard or on the floor. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So my fists are up. Like, I'm going to have to fight somebody. Like, like legit fight. And then I just, like, quickly turn. Nobody's there. And then I check all... The main level, even the basement, checked everywhere. Nobody was there. Kids sound asleep. Nothing. The dog was upstairs. I actually, when I started checking everything, I had my dog come with me. Because <laughs> I need some backup, bro. Nothing. Every room I went into, bathroom, garage, everything. Checked everything. Nobody was there. Can't explain it because I know that a lot of people are like, well, that's just your house settling or whatever. Maybe it was windy outside. I don't recall if it was windy outside or not, but that sound was the sound of something heavy on the floor 
moving. I can't explain that. I I've seen multiple times things out of the corner of my eyes. My son, one time when he was down here, this was a few years back, he heard his name spoken to him in the basement coming from a particular location. Actually, it's the location where I always see things out of the corner of my eye. Scared the shit out of him, and he ran upstairs. And, and it, it was sad. It's sad and, and scary to him. And I don't know if I even want to bring it up to him because he sleeps in the basement now. But it, it, it's wild stuff. Can't explain it. My, I told you before, my dad passed away when I was five years old. And a couple of years ago, I was digging through and I found some old testimonial tapes. When he went to seminary school in the Denver Seminary, uh, he was becoming a minister. And part of it is they have to give a testimonial on anything spiritual or supernatural that has ever happened in their life, in their spiritual journey. And I pulled some stories of his off of these tapes. And I'm going to play these for you because I, I, they're really cool. And it's not, I don't know, it's just fascinating to me. So here you go. Here's Jack DeHuff talking to me about the whistle story. One uh, afternoon, I was at work. They heard the door close. They heard the whistle, and it was my whistle. I whistle. Tammy and Susie, our bigger dog, went running down the landing. Susie was kind of in front. Susie stopped. Tammy stopped. Tammy started to scream hysterically. Susie started to growl. Her hackles went up, and by this time, Linda went down. The doors were all closed. It was at this point in time that Linda and I knew we had to do something. I had read the book, The Exorcist. I said, well, maybe we better go see a priest. Went to a priest. He took a look at Tammy. She was suffering with all the symptoms of severe mental shock. She was white as a sheet. She would not talk. She just kind of sat there in a stupor. And the priest said, it looks as though she's seen a ghost. We got nowhere with the priest except for the fact that he says, get a crucifix, hang it on the wall, open a Bible up, lay it out in the room. That doesn't help. And he said, quote, get the hell out, unquote. It didn't help. <laughs> we had at times dogs sleeping with us. I wake up in the middle of the night and said, what are the dogs doing downstairs? The dogs are sleeping right here. I heard them. There were other times when we would be laying in bed. At this point in time, we were so scared, we were whispering to each other. We hear sounded as if the dog went upstairs or a person would be coming up, up from downstairs or uh, the dog's going down. Pretty crazy stuff. That's a lot of activity in one area. Now, there's some more. Some of the experiences that I went through that I did not talk about in New Hampshire, I had an empty house experience that scared me to the point where, and it sounds funny, but I was so scared, I got out into the truck, I started to cry uncontrollably, and I literally had diarrhea for three days because of my nerves. 
And the thing that scared me more than anything else, we had a kitchen about this long, okay? I walked down, got the light, walked back up to this end of the room, grabbed the light switch, and mainly checking to make sure I had everything uh, all set because we were heading to the motel. I saw that cover door at the other end of the room, okay? Here I am, I'm looking. Literally slam that hard. You know, that's scary. Because before I heard the, um, the uh, what you call it, down here, the garbage sack um, moved around as I was coming Okay? Question. I tried to duplicate. I could not duplicate. That's pretty crazy stuff. And it's not like he did that to, you know, sell the story or whatever. But, you know, what? not like you would do that really back then. But he had no point, no reason to make that up. I mean, he's going through Denver Seminary. And it, you either have stories or you don't. And, and pretty wild stuff. I don't know if you believe it or not, but it, it was very interesting. Hey, you know what? I found this out today, and I thought it was just interesting. The Ouija board, which I I know it's made by a manufacturer, <laughs> but I still, I don't ever want to use it. The likelihood that it's legit is slim to shit. But I still don't want to take the risk. I don't. Did you know the Ouija board was originally called talking board? And there was... There was a, a bunch of variations of it, but they were all called talking boards. Then Denver native Helen Peters no, Nosworthy or Noseworthy then changed the name to Ouija. Then it became commercialized. Kind of interesting for all of my Denver listeners. It, the Ouija board has originations in Colorado. Wild, wild. I, I refuse to use a Ouija board. Like I said, I know that most likely it, it's BS. But there's that glimmer, glimmer of me going, but what if it's not? What if it's not? I don't want to mess with it. Don't want to mess with it. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning into the Halloween special. Really appreciate each and every one of you. You guys are amazing. Can't. Thank you enough for supporting the podcast. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Share it with your friends if you can. Big thanks to Sugar Fire in Westminster. Don't forget to check them out. And maybe they can help you out with your Thanksgiving dinner. Also, big thanks to Superbook Sports Colorado. It's to Huff Uncensored. I appreciate each and every one of you. Have an amazing day. Let's continue to move forward. I'll talk to you next time.